if you're going to make friends, you just have to go out there and do it. And it is a skill. Making friends is a skill. And I would tell that to my kids because, of course, my poor kids are also moving and having to start all over. And I was saying, this is a skill that you're going to have for the rest of your life. You're going to know how to make a friend where kids who just grew up in one place their whole life have always just had friends. Mm -hmm. You're going to have a skill where you learn how to make a friend. And, you know, it's going to be a good skill in your life when you grow up and you're going to be very adaptable. You're listening to Breaking the Ice, a podcast and community created for wives and girlfriends of professional hockey players, but since has turned into so much more. Stories shared by women around the globe who come together for a sense of connection and community. You may be in the sports industry, a hockey parent, an athlete, or a person who just enjoys podcasts, but I can promise you, you'll be inspired by these women every single day while we evolve through the tips, tricks, do's, and don'ts for all things hockey. And guess what? So much more. For women, by women, but especially for a hockey community. So lace them up and tune in for a new episode every Wednesday. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Breaking the Ice. This is a podcast and community for wives and girlfriends of professional hockey players that I created back in March of 2020. So literally right as we went into the pandemic, which honestly was kind of the perfect timing if the more that I think about it to start. This lifestyle obviously comes with so many highs, so many amazing experiences, but I really felt like the struggles were under talked about. And I felt like I couldn't be the only person that struggles with this lifestyle. I mean, if you look back at your life and think, wow, I lived a very normal life up until I met my partner (laughs) and I got thrown into this hockey world, it's pretty insane if you think about it but it's also brought us to some really incredible places. With Breaking the Ice, I wanted to create a space where women can connect with other women in this lifestyle. And it's been such an incredible blessing in my life to be able to talk to these amazing women weekly on the podcast and connecting with you guys all on Instagram. I also know that so many of you guys have connected with each other through this Instagram account. And it's just been so amazing to see. If you are loving the podcast, I would love it if you would take a second to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. This really helps the community grow and continues to keep the podcast going. I also wanted to mention that I have been working so hard on a women's retreat that I planned for this hockey community in Nashville, May 18th to May 21st, 2022. The launch day was a freaking huge success. 19 girls signed up in our hockey community and there's still a few spots left. And I think the coolest part about talking to the girls that signed up is that they are coming on this retreat and they're rooming with girls that they've played with in the past. So some of these girls haven't seen each other since they played with each other in Europe and are living in completely different parts of the world, but using this as an opportunity to connect with their old friends, and connect with new friends. So it's really, really cool to me to see women from all over. Some girls are literally flying in from Europe, from Canada, from the U.S. Like, it's just so awesome. There are women whose husbands are retired that are coming. I'm so excited. There's just such a good mix of, like, things to do in Nashville. I planned a luxury picnic, there's dinners, there's brunches, there's yoga on a rooftop bar in downtown Nashville, Pilates at a brewery, there's a night that we're all going to be going out wearing denim, Canadian tuxedos, and wigs, and just going out on the town, so it's going to be a huge blast, it's $400 to reserve your spot, and if you want more information, send me a message, please, I would love to chat with you about it, and also, If you want to go, but you're kind of like, I don't really know any of my friends that are going, message me because there's a couple people looking for roommates who are super cool. I know them and, you know, they want to come, but they need someone to room with. So if that is you, send me a message and we will connect further about it. So I'm recording this intro on a Saturday and we had a game last night and I took the option. I was just thinking to myself, I feel like I haven't really had a lot of time alone, I guess, in the nighttime. And I just kind of felt like having a chill night in, making some zucchini bread, 
binging reality TV and catching up with a couple friends from back home. So I was really happy I did that. And then Sunday we have an early game for Halloween. And then our break is not this week that this episode comes out, but the following week. So we will be in Majorca, Spain. And if you have any recommendations on things to do there, let me know. Today on the podcast, I have Wendy Tippett joining me. And Wendy is the wife of Dave Tippett, who is the head coach for the Edmonton Oilers and the NHL. Wendy has such a warm and caring presence, and I instantly felt connected when we jumped on the call with each other to record this episode. She has been in this hockey world for over 37 years, which is so inspiring and amazing. So if you're ever having a bad day, you just got to think to yourself, Wendy's been doing this for 37 plus years, and she still has such a positive outlook on this lifestyle. And it was honestly a really good reminder to me to just enjoy the ride. She shares about how that transition was going from a player's wife to a coach's wife and how becoming a coach's wife, she really stepped into that role in this hockey world. We also talk about what this year was like for her with COVID being apart from Dave for over five months, which is the longest they've ever been apart in their entire relationship. We also talk about what it has been like moving her kids around basically until they were in adulthood. And we chat about funny stories in the wives room and at the game. So overall, this was just a really lighthearted, fun episode and we hope you enjoy it. If you are a coach's wife and this episode resonates with you, or if you are a listener of the podcast or a friend of Wendy's, please share to your story. We would love it for other people to find the podcast and follow along. It makes you really realize that I must really love this guy. I mean, I must have said that a million times in my life because I'm every time I get to a new city, I'm like, I must really love this guy because what the heck am I doing here? Like, what is going on? <laughs> and I'm like, I, apparently, I still love you because here I am. Yep. And you guys have been together and married a long time, and I'm excited yeah. to to pick your brain because. Dang, that's a that's a long time to be in this hockey life. It is. Well, we met when I was 18. So, oh I mean, we were in college. So we met that that long ago. So I've been on the whole crazy ride. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Typically, I ask the guests to kind of just start off and tell the audience a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and just kind of what this hockey life has looked like for you. So we'll just kind of dive in and go from there. Okay, well, I was, I'm originally from Minnesota. And um, I went to high school in North Dakota and we met, I met my husband at University of North Dakota in college where he was coming from Saskatchewan to play. And we have been, I think this is our 10th team we're on right now. So we've been around the first, he went to the Olympics first in 84. And then we went to the Whalers and to the Capitals and to the Penguins and to the Flyers and then Houston and then Los Angeles, Dallas, Arizona, Seattle, and here <laughs> Edmonton. So we have been everywhere, but it's, it's actually, that's how I tell time right now, because it's, that's the funny part about hockey, because when you're looking back and telling time, you're like, well, what year was that? And I'm like, well, it was when we were in Pittsburgh. So it was, mm-hmm. and then that's how you tell time. So everything is by the hockey season, which is, you know, the crazy part, but it's been actually a really great experience. We've met so many amazing people and, you know, I don't travel as much because I feel like I just moved to a new city and live there. That's kind of, instead of traveling, that's probably what you're doing in Europe right now too, right? You, people go to Austria to visit, but you go to live there for three years and yep. you really realize that how much better it is to really experience a city or a country when you get to live there instead of just dropping in for a minute. Yeah. It's been an amazing experience and we've been married for 37 years. Congratulations. And, um, That's amazing. I know, yeah. Not all of them have been the most beautiful years. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> I always say, if you're going to be married a long time, you have to just expect that they're not all going to be great. There's going to be some hard times going through, but you just, in the end, no matter what happened, we're just like, we're just better together than we are apart. And you know, you, the moving and the, you know, it's, it's, it's a grind sometimes. And sometimes you look and think, what am I doing? You know, why am I 20th on the list of priorities always, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. because there's, especially a coaching because the players are always first, you know? And so 
the players and then the kids and then you're somewhere down there. And I, I remember just thinking, I wonder if I'm ever going to make the top 10. <laughs> I just want to make the top 10. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would be so great. Yeah. And now, you know, now that at this age, you know, now he's like, you're my first priority now because the kids are grown. And he's like, if you want me to stop doing this and you called me tomorrow and said, I'm done. He said, I would walk away. So it's, I guess the, the, lesson of the stories is if you wait long enough, you get to the top 10. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be like your intro. It's like, I always do a sneak peek with a picture on the episode. It's like, you wait long enough, you'll make the top 10. I love that so much. (laughs) Are you sad, but true. Are you guys empty nesters right now? Yes. We, I've been empty nester since I was, I mean, a long, long time. My, um, my daughter went to, my youngest daughter went to college when she was 17 and so she's turning 31 in a couple of weeks. So we've been empty nesters since we were like, I was, let me think, I was like 40, 42, 43, something like that. Okay. So yeah, we had kids really young. I mean, I had Nicole, my oldest when I was 23 and then my youngest when I was 27. Yeah. So we have been empty nesters for a while. I have three little grandkids now that are like the most amazing little creatures. So do they get to go to the games ever? Well, they're in Seattle. And so this is going to kind of be the first year that they're going to get to go to games because they can go to the Kraken when the Oilers play the Kraken. So they're pretty excited about that. And, um, you know, because they they've been to some games when they were little when we were in Phoenix. They went to some games back then, you know, they were just tiny little babies. But this is now, you know, I have two older grandsons. One is 11 and one is almost nine. So now they're at the age where they really want to go and they understand a lot more. So it's going to be really fun. That is, that's so awesome. I feel like it's just full circle because you guys, like you obviously met when he was playing in college and then now as a coach's wife, and then you're having your grandkids go to the game. So that's so fun it for is. you guys. It's crazy. It's such a long life, you know, it's just, and it goes in a blink. And I remember somebody asking me when Dave was playing and they're like, well, what's going to Dave do after hockey? And I just looked at them like, what? Like he's a hockey player. That's what he's going to do. I mm-hmm. never really... I mean, I just thought, I just thought it would just last a long time. I mean, it just felt like life would be longer. And then it was just a blink and he's done playing. And I'm like, oh, but he always wanted to coach and actually was kind of planning on coaching when he went to college because he didn't get drafted because he's, you know, smaller guy. And so he just was going to play until they told him he couldn't play. And he ended up playing 12 years in NHL. So, and then he decided he didn't want to play anymore because his back hurt too much. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, so okay, it's that, time. <laughs> yeah. He just came home from training camp one day and he said, you know what? I, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm, I hurt too much. And I said, okay, so what are you going to do? And he said, well, they said I can be an assistant coach. And I'm like, okay. So he just, you know, instead of saying I'm hurt and getting paid for that year, which would be, you know, the way that a lot of the guys would do it smartly, <laughs> right? He just says, I'll just walk away from this contract and take a coaching contract for like $0 basically. <laughs> And I'm like, oh my God, how are we going to do this? But he just said, you just have to think about that. I'm going to college to learn my craft and they're paying me, even though it's not a lot, they're paying me to learn my craft. And that's what you have to, you have to look at it as. So I'm like, okay. So he ended up coaching in Houston for, he was assistant coach for like six months and then he became the head coach. And then he was head coach, director of player personnel and general manager. By the time we left, he had all of the jobs. And we won the championship and it was like a really, really fun time. And then he ended up going to LA after that. So when he stopped playing, did you know, did you have a feeling that he was going to move into coaching or were you like, were you, how did you feel about that? Yeah. I hoped that he would get an opportunity because I really felt like that was where his gifts were. He's really smart and he's really um, creative person. And I felt like coaching would be great, but then, you know, everybody wants to do that, especially back then, you know, guys, it's not as much now because guys make so much money now, but back then we didn't make enough money that you were going to be like, I'm done playing hockey. And now I'm just going to go retire and live my life. Like that didn't happen. Even the guys making the most money were making not enough to do that. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And much less the plumbers like Dave, you know, (laughs) Uh, he was not going to be in that. So I think he always would, wanted to stay in hockey because he felt like it's what he knows best and what he loves. It's his passion. 
So, um, but you always hope you get that opportunity. And then you, and that's why I think that when he went in there and they gave him that opportunity, he was like, you know, this is what I want to do. And it was a lockout year. So we were just kind of had gone to the minors thinking, okay, we'll go there. And then if, you know, the season starts up again, you know, he'll go back up and play. And, but then he ended up, you know, not, he played one year in the minors. Um, uh, it was kind of really fun because he got to be like on the power play and he had to do all the things that he never got to do in the NHL, yeah. you know? So it was like, oh my gosh, now you're a star. Like, this is cool. Yeah. So that was, that was really fun. And actually I loved um, the minors. I felt so much more comfortable there as a player's wife in the minors because it was like, everybody was just down to earth and nice and everyone's kind of, I don't know. It was just really fun compared to because there's a lot of pressure in wives room sometimes. And it's, it can feel a little out of place when you're on these teams where, you know, these, it's just like, okay, it's a lot. And um, when I went to the minors, I'm like, oh, I, I feel more comfortable here. I grew up in a little small town in Minnesota. Like I, you know, I'm not like a big city girl. And so I really, you know, a lot of the things in these big cities were just like out of my comfort zone. For sure. And I feel like when you're going into a new group of girls, which is something like we talk about a lot is it's nerve wracking, you know, and you kind of have to start over. And I always say like, when you meet someone new, it's like, everybody's on their best behavior. Right. But it's fun when you start to break through those layers, but I can imagine it would be very nerve wracking going, you know, to the NHL and not, you know, knowing really anyone and, and kind of having to connect with a whole new group of people at the same time. I actually, I have a couple close friends that are coaches, wives, and they, their husbands also played um, at some point before, but I was kind of talking to them about like what that transition was like for them. How, how was it for you being a player's wife versus a coach's wife? Well, I think it was a really huge benefit for me to have been a player's wife for all those years, because I kind of know that the ebb and the flow of what a wives room feels like, what a wives room look like, you know, when, when I can feel comfortable going in and when it's not my time to go in, you know, like I usually will go in at the, you know, if I'm going to go say hi to the girls or whatever, I'll do it before the game always and chat with everyone. And I never would go in there after a game ever because there's always somebody whose husband didn't get enough ice time or who's, you know, someone who's upset or whatever. And, and, you know, sometimes that can get taken out on a coach's wife or, or maybe they didn't play well. And, you know, I look at them and say, why didn't your husband do that better? You know, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. it's like this weird thing. And it's, and it's always the next day, it's not a big deal, but you know, in the heat of the moment, it's just best for me not to, to be in there, you know, for them and for me. And, um, I, I actually really have loved kind of being more of a mama bear. Like that's more my, how I feel comfortable. I have daughters. I do, you know, the kind of the volunteer work that I do is working with teenage girls. I mean, I really feel like mama bear is like my role in the world. So being a mama bear on team is perfect for me. And I feel much more comfortable. Like if there's anything I can do for these girls, they know they could call me and I would, you know, move heaven and earth to do whatever they needed me to do. And it's really has nothing to do with hockey at all. And I think that's the most important thing is that I don't talk hockey with these girls. Number one, I am not a coach. I don't know what the heck I would be talking about. (laughs) And I never have, you know, I, I know the flow of the game. I can feel the feelings of a game because I've gone to thousands of them. So I can kind of tell when I sit in the game, what's going to happen within the first five minutes, because that just, I don't know what it is, but it's like that feeling that you have when things are going well or not. But if I look down on there and I'm trying to do some kind of strategy or I have nothing, I have zero, I don't know what's going on. So (laughs) So I feel like most of us don't. And if, if someone does, I'm like, wow, I'm thoroughly impressed right now. Cause I absolutely have no idea what's going on well, to me. If somebody does really, they just know enough to be dangerous. They don't really know what they're talking about, but they they think they do, <laughs> but I don't think anyone can actually know unless they played and even played at this level. Like it's even, you know, some of the girls who said oh, I played in high school or something like that. And so they're definitely going to know more than me, 100%. But you know, this is, I mean, you know, professional hockey is a completely different level than anything any woman could ever play on. I mean, maybe the women who are in the Olympics and all that, they're going to definitely know more, but it's, it's a level that we cannot understand. And so for us to pretend that we do and go in there and start talking about, it's just silly to me. It's like, well, I'm not going to participate. Cause I, I can, I'll just say, I have no idea. I don't exactly. Know. Yeah. I feel yeah. like there definitely has to be like an energetic boundary there. Right. But do you have yes. any funny stories with like anything that's 
ever happened with boundaries being around oh, I, other wives? I have so many stories. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> I love it. The, I think the, the funniest one is a girl who I shall not name. I was going into the wives room to say hi at the beginning of the year. And I walked in and she was a guy in the team's girlfriend and they'd been dating for a month. Okay. So new girl to the team, new girl to this world. And I started to walk in the wives room. She goes, excuse me, you're not allowed in here. (laughs) And I'm like, I said, oh, sweetie. Yeah, it's okay. (laughs) I'm like, and I said, it's, you know, I can come in and you know, you've been here like 10 minutes and I've been here like 35 years. So I think we're going to be okay with me coming in here for a minute, saying hi to everyone. And the girls were laughing. They were like, oh. they can come in. I just wanted to come see the kids, you know, the beginning of the year, because everyone's kids have grown so much. And, you know, you want to come say hi to everybody. Wait, hold on. Did no she, clue. did she like, did she think she, you were a fan or something? I had no idea. I know she didn't know I was a coach's wife. I'm I mean, sure she did she, not I, I don't think she would have said that if she knew. <laughs> I don't think she knew that. And, you know, in, in her defense, like, I'm sure the rest of the year she was just mortified, but I just tried to like brush it over in the rest of the year. I just pretended that it never happened because I knew that she was just, you know, she just didn't know. I mean, that's the thing with the wise rooms, right? I mean, you, someone who's been there 10 years, is just going to feel different than someone who's their first time there and they get to go in the special room with the wives and they, you know, that only they get to go into and she gets, she was getting protective of her room. And, you know, there were women in there with kids and babies and stuff. And she was probably just being protective of that, not having any clue who I was, but it was just kind of a funny thing. Cause I just kind of, you know, I didn't get like, Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I was kind of like, Oh yes, I can. But thank you for <laughs> trying to bar me from the door. That's hilarious. You know, and uh, I bet your husband got a hoot out of that. He did. He laughed. He laughed. Cause he's just like, Oh, you know, I mean, cause he knows there's, we've talked about it before with, you know, because there's teams where, you know, the general managers do not want the coach's wives talking to the players at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. And I've always told him, you need to ask about that when you are applying for jobs or when they're interviewing you, because I can't do that. I can't go to a team where they're not going to allow me to do my job or to do what I feel like I can do to help, you know? And if they're not going to allow me to do that, you can't take that job. <laughs> and he's just yeah. like, well, I mean, like they could, they could try, but it would never work it would never work for, I mean, I know one of my friends is who was coach's wife. She's not anymore, but she, um, one of the girls came up to her and asked her, uh, for the name of her, the girl who cuts her hair. And she got called into the general manager's office for speaking to a player's wife. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I don't know what I would have done in that situation. I don't, I think I would have laughed. Yeah. I don't work for you. Right. (laughs) Tell me who I can talk to. Like, this is crazy. Well, the way I see it too is, you know, as a coach's wife, like, yes, there is kind of a different, you know, situation with that, but just as the players, wives and girlfriends, you're also moving to these new cities where, you know, it might be your first year in the city. And I feel like it's very isolating to kind of segregate that because naturally you're in the same lifestyle, right? So you're going to kind of connect with these women. I mean, of course there has to be boundaries, but I think to completely say like, you can have no communication, like that's just very intense to me. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of cruel almost, especially like in the situation I'm in now where I'm an empty nester and, you know, so I am completely alone and we have one of the assistant coaches wives on our team, like right now who lives here, but the rest of them don't even live here. So it's like telling somebody that they just have to be alone. And I, and I think that, you know, once general managers understand, you know, my kind of the way I am, they, they, then they're comfortable with it because I do not take advantage of this at all. I do not, I don't, you know, I say hello. I do small talk with them. I ask them about their kids. If they need something, they have my number. And if they want to talk about anything or, you know, they have my number to call, but I do not, you know, overuse this privilege at all. And, and, but it is nice to just be able to feel comfortable saying hello. And like on this group of girls that the team we're on now, I think this is one of the nicest group of girls that we've ever, ever been on. The Oilers wives, they are amazing. And they're just, they're the nicest girls ever. So they make it really easy for me. So like when you've moved to new cities before and you haven't known anybody, what, what are some ways that you have, you know, kind of reached out to, cause you kind of have to put yourself out there in that situation to meet new people, maybe like outside of hockey or like, do you have any experience with that at all? 
Well, I think that when I had kids at home, it was really easy to move to a new city because, you know, the kids are going to be on a soccer team and they're going to be cheerleading and they're going to be at school and you just kind of meet parents and friends and it's really simple. And the first time we moved, which was to Phoenix from Dallas, where I had no kids at home, that was like, okay, this is really different, (laughs) you know, because I, that was always how I did it. And, um, but in our neighborhood that we moved into in Phoenix, I mean, everyone's outside all the time. Mm-hmm. And so just walking, we have a golf club there. So just walking and going to the club and stuff, I ended up meeting the most amazing group of friends and there's tons of hiking there, but it's like, you have to get out of your house. I think that's the biggest thing. You have to leave your house because people are not going to come to your door and say, Hey, you want to be friends? Yeah. <laughs> you know, they they want, you have to leave your house and you have to go do what you love to do. Like I love to work out. I love to hike. I love to bike. I love to do all those things. So I would just go do the things that I was going to do. And then I would meet my friends there, yeah. you know, and I would meet my people or whatever. So, but that was definitely the first time when I, when Dave came home and I'm like, you know what? I just realized that this is going to be weird because I've always made my friends through the kids and now I don't have them anymore <laughs> yeah. to do that with. So, you know, and church is always a place for me because I, you know, I, uh, go to church and I usually volunteer at church and meet people there. And that's always been great for me. I feel like you have a very like welcoming, open presence just from like talking to you. Like you're just very warm and I feel like you'd have no issues, you know, meeting friends and like just connecting with people. I, I do feel like sometimes this lifestyle would probably be difficult if you're a little bit more introverted, like, and shy because you, you do kind of have to put yourself out there and like, you know, it's, it's tough sometimes moving all the time. It is. And I think that, you know, girls who are a little bit more shy, I think that when I was younger, I was probably more shy when I first started, but I think that it kind of, the hockey world just doesn't allow you to be shy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Here's my life story. Day one. (laughs) You You just kind of have to, yeah, you just kind of have to be out there because if you're going to make friends, you just have to go out there and do it. And it is a skill. Making friends is a skill. And I would tell that to my kids because, of course, my poor kids are also moving and having to start all over. And I was saying this is a skill that you're going to have for the rest of your life. You're going to know how to make a friend where kids who just grew up in one place their whole life have always just had friends. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a skill where you learn how to make a friend. And, you know, it's going to be a good skill in your life when you grow up. And you're going to be very adaptable because when you're when you're a player's wife, you know, you kind of, you're dropped into a group of people with all the, all the same age as you, young kids, same as you. So it's really simple. Right. Mm -hmm. And because you kind of have a group of people, they all have your same schedule. Their husbands are gone at the exact same time. Your husbands are gone. Their husbands are home when your husbands are home. So you get into this little flow of, you know, the guys are on the road, the girls are all doing stuff together. But when the guys come home, nobody's shocked that you didn't call them for a week or whatever, because their husbands are home too. So it's really simple. You know, as a coach's wife, it's a little bit harder because you don't have that whole group of people, you know, to just lean on, you have to, you have to make them outside of hockey. Yeah. And you mentioned too, like now that I'm thinking of it, cause your kids spent pretty much their, the majority of their life, which I love what you said. It, it totally would shape them to be adaptable. And like that, that is such a good skill. Um, but they obviously spent like pretty much the majority of their lives in this lifestyle, which I feel like at the beginning, you know, when they're so young, like I have a new baby and he just kind of, you know, he doesn't know. Right. But like, as they get older, do you know what that experience was like for them? Like, was that hard for them to be like, Oh, we're moving again. Like I just met these friends and now I have to go. Like, was it frustrating for them? I think that it was so normal for them that they kind of look forward to it. The first time we got traded, I remember saying to my well, I only had one daughter. I was, I was eight and a half months pregnant with the other one. And I said, Oh my gosh, guess what? We get to go on an adventure. And she's like, we do. And I'm like, yes, we're, you know, we're going to Washington DC. And I used to, I lived there when I was in junior high. So I was like, I'm telling her all about the museums and the zoo. And so she got excited and it, it's all about, you know, presenting it to them in a way where it's an adventure instead of we have to, we get to, you know, we get to do this instead of we have to do this. And I think that, so they, almost got to the point where they would, if we stayed somewhere too long, they would be kind of like, when are we moving? You know, I'm (laughs) I'm over this place. I've done it. We've already, you know, and they're ready to move on and they're ready. And I think that they're kind of, you know, my daughter, my oldest daughter now has lived in the Seattle area for like 14 years. This is the longest she's lived anywhere in her life. And she's 
she's had to move houses like four times because she can't stand to sit still. Yeah. <laughs> and my, my younger daughter has moved all over. She's lived in LA and Dallas and Austin. Now she lives in new Orleans and they're, they're just not, um, they don't really want to stay still. That's the hard part because mm-hmm. you do get good at moving and being the new kid. And then you have to learn how to grow roots, you know, and that's something that my kids never had to do is grow roots. They, you know, you have a friend and you're the new kid for a while, but you never had to like go through the tough stuff with friends because they never really got to that place. You know, they would always yeah. be like, let's move, you know? So yeah, they had to point. learn that, that skill, you know? And it's like, no matter what you have in life, you're learning something. If you're staying someplace your whole life, you, you really understand how to grow roots and, and be happy where you are and, you know, bloom where you're planted. And if you're moving all the time, you learn a whole different set of skills, you know, but mm-hmm. we need them all. We need them all. Yeah. I, it's funny that you say that because we live in Idaho in the off season in Boise and nice. Yeah. And so, I mean, we love it there. Right. But like every time when the season starts creeping up, like I get that feeling of like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of ready to like go somewhere. I don't know. It's almost like this bore, like I'm, I'm not bored, but it's, it's kind of what you're saying. Like I get just what's, I don't know what the word you said. It's just, well, it's your, it's out of necessity. Your body has learned this, these, these ebbs and flows of life. And it's learned that this here comes one. Yeah. And so (laughs) you you start to prepare for it. And, and because you're a positive person, you prepare for it in a positive way. You know, you start to go, I'm excited about it It, it, because it's what we tell ourselves. Right. I mean, if you, I know that there's been some wives over the years that, you know, they didn't want to leave home. They, they just want to go home all the time. And they, it's really hard for the guys when they do that because, and I understand it. Like that's just some people's reality. Like they just don't enjoy the travel. They don't enjoy meeting. They just don't, they won't just want to go home, but it's really difficult for the players because they already have so much on their plate with trying to keep everything together on a new team and a new city. And then if their wife is miserable, like that's not Mm -hmm. good. Yeah. (laughs) It's really, really tough on them. So I always felt like I didn't want to be a problem for my husband. And I'm like, I'm a big girl. I can take care of myself and I'm not going to be his problem. I'm not going to be his dependent. I'm going to, you know, help him and be independent. And I can, I, you know, I, I don't know. I really like the moving, even everyone's just like, you know, when we were going to Edmonton, they're like, are you going to move there? And I'm like, of course I'm going to go there. And they're like, Oh, you know, but it's in Canada and it's cold. And, and I'm like, you know, it really actually reminds me of Minnesota a lot. So it really kind of feels like home to me here, which is kind of crazy because it's kind of like I've gone for full circle and I'm home now. People here are very friendly. Like they are in Minnesota. They're very outgoing. Um, I wasn't prepared for the hockey part here where, you know, Dave comes to the grocery store with me and everyone's stopping him and saying, you know, giving him advice on the power play or whatever, you know, no way. I wasn't prepared for that because we have not lived in a city as a coach, you know, where anyone gave, you know, they didn't care. I mean, we were in, you know, LA. Do you think that, you know, an assistant coach in LA Kings in Los Angeles means anything (laughs) to anyone? No, it doesn't. And in Dallas, you know, there's football and there's, you know, basketball and everything's much more important. And, um, you know, so every city we've lived in has kind of been a Southern since he's been coaching a Southern city where hockey's just not a big deal. So we, I'm just used to that. And we came here and people are like waving out the windows of the car. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, Dave, I think we have a flat tire he's trying to flag us down, you know? And he rolls down the window and he goes, everything. Okay. And they're like, welcome to Edmonton. And he's like, Oh my gosh, Oh my gosh. He's trying to roll the window up. And I'm saying, I thought we had a flat tire. I didn't know. You that know, is hilarious. People, I know, people you're, you're a celebrity. I know it's crazy. It's so, and, but I mean, it's in a good and good and bad, right? Because you know, you're winning, it's all good, but Edmonton has been known to be, you know, pretty tough on coaches. And so, but thank goodness that Dave's like an old guy that can take anything. He doesn't care. Thankfully, I think this would be a really hard place for a young coach to go because they would be taking it so seriously where Dave is just like, you know, I I don't care what a 13 year old in his basement says or thinks (laughs) about my coaching. And if anyone thinks they can do better, they should totally apply for the job. Yeah, you know, (laughs) exactly. I know it's the same as the people that chirp the players behind the ice. Like, you know what, why don't you go down there and you show us all how to do it? (laughs) Oh, I used to say all the time when Dave was in Hartford, I'd be like, lace up, buddy. Let's see what you got. Yeah. Let's see what you, (laughs) you can just get your fair skates on. You go down there and you show them how it's done. I know it's always the best when when they're talking about like your, your husband 
behind you too. Right. And it's like, you gotta, you sit there and you're just listening. And then finally it's like, you know, <laughs> you please, it's, please, by all it's means. So funny. It's so funny. Cause I remember we were in Pittsburgh and so that was Dave's one of his last teams. So he was the older guy on the team. And I remember him, the person in front of me is like, stands up and says, tip it, get your pension and go home. And I just started laughing. Cause I said, at least it was creative. Like it was funny. It wasn't <laughs> like, you know, you suck, you're this, you're that. I mean, he was funny. And I came home and told Dave and he laughed. And I mean, it was just, it's just, you know, some of them are funny. Yeah. And some of them are mean. Like I remember somebody saying something just really mean about one of my friend's husbands. And I was so upset for her because, you know, he's the nicest guy in the entire world. Like truly, he's one of those people who you'd be like, he's the nicest guy you've ever met. That's her husband. Mm -hmm. So for somebody to be saying something like that, anything mean about him, I was, but of course I would go over there and go, why would you say that? Like, <laughs> I don't understand why you would say that. Like he's the <laughs> nicest guy. <laughs> exactly. We can figure this out. You need to cheer for them. And they're like, oh, this is my first hockey game. I was just trying to get the fans going. And I'm like, okay, so you don't know what you're talking about. That yeah, okay, exactly. Good. So you're right. just, you've had too much now. to drink. <laughs> yeah. But it's hard because you know what somebody says and yells in the stands and then all of a sudden it's a news article and all of a sudden somebody, you know what I mean? It's just like, it can just go down a bad road if, and really from no meaning of somebody having any idea, but you know, they love to have someone to pick on the media likes to have someone to pick on. It, it's hard. Yeah. And that's like one of my best friend's husbands. And I'm like, no, she's not going anywhere. That's not going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> can't <lose> exactly. <laughs> you, you just have to like brush it off sometimes, I guess. Like, I mean, really, they don't know what they're talking about and probably just thinking they're funny, but I mean, it can be hurtful. I'm sure, oh you know, gosh. if it gets out I of hand. The craziest story, and I can't even remember what city this was in now, but we were a friend of mine from, and I know who it is, but of course I'm not going to say anything, but she was sitting, she had been sitting next to this guy the whole year. He'd been bashing her husband and bashing her husband all year. And she just sat there. He has a season tickets next to her. She never said a word. And finally, oh. one day she said, you know that that's my husband you're talking about? And he goes, yeah, I do. And she punched him. <laughs> she punched him. Because <laughs> she's just like, I just assumed that he didn't know. And so I was just kind of giving him the benefit of the doubt. He doesn't know. But then, I, then when I found out that he absolutely knew and that's why he was doing it, I was so mad. <laughs> Oh, so he was intentionally doing it because exactly. he knew. And then she's like, you know, I could take it if he didn't know. But once he told me that he knew, I was like, that's not right. Oh my funny. God. Good for her. But, yeah. But what's she going to do? She weighed like 110 pounds soaking wet. You know, I'm sure she's not going to go and complain about that. And that was back in the days where people didn't complain about everything in the world. Like they do now where everything's like, you know, you can't yeah. do anything or you're going to get canceled. Oh yes. <laughs> I know it's, it's, it's frightening a little bit. It's like, you can't, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. And it's just, it's, it's too well, much. Especially from some of these older guys, you know, who are like, you know, in their sixties or something. And you know, that the world, the way the world was like in the seventies and eighties is not the same as the world is now. So they might've said stupid things, you know, and I'm thankful that my husband's not the guy who's, who's like that, but I do know a ton of people who are very nice, great people who back in the day were probably idiots. Like, I mean, I like it better now in somewhat many ways, like for women, yes. like the way we were treated as women 25, 35 years ago compared to the way that we're treated now. I mean, this is so much better now. And, but like my kids can't believe when I tell them stories of work and things that happen in the way that men treated women, they're just like, what, how could that happen? And I'm like, well, thankfully those things are changing and it is way better. But I said, Definitely. those men that did that back then, everyone was doing it. It, it was just normal. And I wouldn't want to go now and say, you know, hey, by the way, 30 years ago, this guy did this to work or said this to me at work. It's not going to do any good right. for me to do that now. Exactly. And, but I'm just thankful that it's different now and that our, you know, women working now are not being treated like that anymore. And that's a good thing. For you sure. Know? But yeah, so it, it, it's like this, things are evolving in, in a really good way. But I just, you know, it, that was the norm and that's just how they were raised. And sadly, that's just the way it was. Mm -hmm. I know it is very interesting. I'm sure for you as well, just like in the hockey world too, to see how things have changed over the years. Um, but also like speaking of things going on in the world, this question popped into my mind, obviously last year was a very trying year for everybody. What was yeah. your mindset? Like just kind of being away from your kids and, you know, with everything well, going on with what? the pandemic. It was funny because last year I came with Dave at the beginning of the season and then I went home to work for a week and a half. You know, I had a house on the market, so I went home and I 
ended up getting stuck on that side of the border. And I didn't see Dave for five months. Oh my gosh. So I was with my kids. They were coming to see me and a lot of my family, my cousins, everyone was trying to come see me because they knew that I was alone and they were like, and that I was so sad. So it's like one of my cousins, George, who's like one of my closest cousins, he would just be like, when you're lonely, you just call me and I'll come and hang out and bring my girlfriend and we'll just, you know, come stay with you for a week and go out and have fun. And so he came like three times, which was really fun. And, but I was gone for five months. So I didn't really go through what Dave went through here, which was, you know, he was really locked down. They, they couldn't leave Canada. They only played Canadian teams. So he had it really hard, but I was like in Arizona where there's no, you know, no rules whatsoever. We, there's no masks. There's no anything. It's completely normal life. Mm-hmm. So we were, Same with living Idaho. Two, <laughs> yeah, we were living two completely different lives. And I felt so bad for him because it was much, much harder on him than it was on me. I have all my friends there. I'm out hiking and doing stuff. And he's basically between this apartment and his office. And that was it. Was that the longest you've ever been away from him? By far. Yeah, by far. Before that is probably the longest would have been maybe six weeks, like during the Olympics, maybe. And um, yeah, we, you know, we've not really been apart. Two or three weeks is the most before that, that we were ever apart. Yeah. Was that hard for you? It was really hard. And it was, it really reminded us though, you know, that, you know, how much we love each other. And it really, it was actually in the end, a good thing because in the end, it was kind of like, you know, we miss each other so much. And I think you really find out whether you still have a good marriage or not. You know what I mean? When you're apart mm-hmm. that long, cause it's like, either you're just going to kind of grow apart or you're going to grow together. And I mean, we had dinner every night, we would FaceTime, we'd make dinner together and sit down and eat dinner together. And like we, we just tr- really tried to keep kind of some normal things whenever we could so that we felt like we were together, even though we weren't. Oh, I love and that. Yeah, it was it was actually really good. We talked so much because we only had the phone, you know, so we we talked so much about everything and planned what we're going to do for our future and our retirement. And we really tried to look ahead and not get to, um, you know, because you can sit there when this pandemic and all the stuff going on and you could sit here and just start to complain about everything, right? Because there's so much to complain about. And we really worked hard to not do that, to just say, we're not going to talk about that stuff. We're not going to talk about restrictions. We're not going to talk about any of that. We're just going to talk about what life is going to look like going forward when we're done, you know, mm-hmm. and try to stay on a positive path because I think otherwise I would have, I could have gotten so depressed. <laughs> oh, <laughs> good know? for you. I mean, that, I mean, I'm going to admit that's how I was because it just felt so heavy, you know, and like everywhere you looked, it was just, you're hearing this and you're reading and you're, and we have constant access to our phones, right? So like every time we're on social media, you're seeing new stuff and everyone's talking about it. And it just feels like, can we just go back to (laughs) normal life? I mean, it just came and it came fast. So so much division, you know, it's like, you know, have people feel this way and have people the other way. And, and, it, and it's just causing so much division. And I think that's the hardest part. And I'm like, I'm just the party of freedom. Do what you want. Like, I just, yeah. what I, believe. I just believe that everyone gets one life to live and we should live it however we want to. And, and I just don't feel like anyone else should be telling anyone else how to live their life. So it's, it's hard for me when people are very like stringent, like everybody has to do this. And I'm like, there's no such thing in the world as everybody has to do. Yeah. Good like, luck that's, trying, that's you know, impossible. Right. It's impossible. Everybody is so different. And how can we possibly, there's, I don't think there's one thing that, that you could say that everyone has to do that would be truth in this, you know, this, cause you know, Canada right now they have masks. So it, to come back here and you have to wear a mask and you have to show your vaccine to go anywhere, to go into restaurants or whatever, you have to show your vaccine card. And like, I'm just not used to that because that's not our reality in Arizona. Oh, yeah. And so it's just kind of a different thing. But then I'm like, this is how they've decided to handle it. And I'm going to just respect what they've decided to do and just do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to be upset about it or freak out or, you know, it's, it's not the way that if it, I were in charge, I would do it but I'm not in charge. So mm-hmm. yeah. And nor <laughs> I do mean, I want to be <laughs> no, because I'm sure that whatever I would do would be, you know, they, people would find fault with it. And I think that the funniest part of this whole thing is watching people get mad at their politicians, whoever they are, they're mad at everybody. And I'm like, you do realize that this is the whole world. Okay. Everybody that whether they're communists or Democrats or Republicans or socialists or whoever they are, they're all just doing the best that they can. And it doesn't matter what letters are behind their name for these politicians. They, they, nobody knows what to do. Okay. So you can't blame 
a politician for a medical problem, you know, no matter who it is, he's just trying to do what he thinks is right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's and no winning. Think, yeah. And they look so myopically. They're just kind of like, well, we would be better off if we had a different, you know, and I said, no, you wouldn't. Cause look at the rest of the world. We're all just going through these, these, all of everyone's having waves. It doesn't matter if you've had masks, lockdowns or nothing. Everybody has the waves. They're all coming. They're all going. And you just have to just go with it. Exactly. And not get too upset. Exactly. Yeah. Here it's, it's funny just to see the differences because obviously like same as Arizona, um, Idaho, you, it's very, very laid back and people are very vocal. Yeah. We love it there. Um, but yeah, people are just so vocal about everything. And then you come here and like, yes, it's very strict that you have to like wear a mask everywhere, but like people just do it. Like it's not this big debate. And I'm like, I wish it could just be like, let's just, let's just what you said, like, let's just respect the rules here so we can just move on and be done with it instead of like fighting strangers on the internet. Like it's just, it's just gets a little ridiculous. And (laughs) I think we all need to take breaks from social media from time to time. Yeah. The less divisive, the better. Like what, like when I'm in Arizona, I'm going to do what they're doing there. When I'm here, I'm going to do what they're doing here. I'm not going to get upset or everyone's just trying to do the best they can. Everyone's trying to prevent people from dying. I get this completely. And everyone's got a different idea of how it works. And I just feel like wherever you are, just respect what they've decided and you just go with it. And now I'm used to it again. And I'm used to the mask again. And it doesn't, at first it was really hard because I'm like, okay, breathe this mask on because I'm not used to it. But now I'm used to it again. Oh yeah. We had to wear them the whole the whole flight over to Europe. Oh, that's a long way. When we came back or when we came here the first time I was pregnant and I had to wear it and it's just like, Oh my God. And then the second time I'm breastfeeding and I'm like, Oh my God, like wearing a mask while breastfeeding on an airplane, which is already claustrophobic. I'm like, okay, this is fun and all, but I'm ready for like this to stop. (laughs) Like I'll, I'll do it of course, but you know, (laughs) exactly. I I just, if, if there's just hope that it will ever stop, I'll be happy. Like if somebody says eventually it will be back back to normal, then I'll be like, okay, I'll do whatever I got to do to get through it. But if they're saying we're going to do this forever, then I'm like, okay, that's where I have to draw the line. I can't do that. No, no, (laughs) I can't think about that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to live this life. If you could go back and give your younger self in this hockey world, a piece of advice, what would it be putting you on the spot? I think I would just say, you know, relax and don't be so hard on yourself. Because I think when you're young, you know, you're constantly thinking, you know, like, I'm not good enough. I'm not doing enough. Whatever it is, comparison, I'm not pretty enough. I'm not whatever it is, you know. And I think that when you get older, you're kind of, you don't have to do that anymore. And it's so nice. And I think I would have just said, you know, relax, just enjoy every day. It's a a crazy fun ride. And don't look at the negatives, look at the positives and just enjoy it. And just know that you're going to meet the most amazing people and you're going to have so much fun and you're going to have so many experiences that you would have never had if you had just sat in home in your home little town, you know, Mm -hmm. all these experiences that you, that you're going to have are amazing. I think you've been married the longest out of any guests I've ever had on. So I think the best relationship advice is going to come from you being married 37 years. Is that what? Yep. 37 years. Yep. I know. I, I, I mean, I, I think advice I would give would be just like every day isn't perfect. It's just not, but it's, I think that if you just constantly just look for ways to make each other's lives better, like if you're constantly looking for one little thing, you can do one little nice thing. I think everyone's always kind of gets very selfish kind of in marriages. Like I'm not getting this. I'm not getting that. I'm not getting, and that will never work Mm -hmm. because it has to be both people kind of thinking, what can I do for you? What can I do to make your life a little bit better today? What can I do to make your life a little easier? The, the tiniest little things, like there's just things I do. Like if it's a game day, I will always wash Dave's sheets in the morning. And so he has fresh sheets to take his little nap in, or just like there's certain things each day that in the little, you know, hockey world that we do to make it a little easier for them. And, and I think that Dave, he does the same things back for me. You know, he'll just do nice things for me, you know, and I just think that if you're constantly doing those little things, uh, it, they kind of call them bids. It's like where you're kind of reaching out and the other person's accepting it. It's like, it's, uh, so it's like, if somebody says they want to talk, you know, you don't turn away ever from somebody reaching towards you. You always reach in, you always oh, kind of go in that. instead of going out. And I, I think they call it bids. And I think that's a perfect thing. So if, if somebody's saying, Hey, I want to talk to you. You don't say, Hey, I don't have time. I'll talk to you tomorrow ever. Mm-hmm. If somebody's reaching out, you always lean in. 
And I, I think if you that. always lean in, yeah, if you always lean in, I think that there's it's always going to go well. Again, with social media, like you always just see like everyone's perfect lives and like their highlight reels, but like it's yeah. hard and relationships are hard and you have to work at it and you both have to put the effort in. And, you know, this lifestyle obviously like amplifies, there's a lot of things that are thrown at you that like are not thrown at people just living kind of regular lives, so to speak. So you really it's have true. to work together to, you know, keep, keep the spark. Exactly. And it's funny because I think that, you know, it's what I've kind of seen over the years is that, um, childhood friends and friends of hockey wives, you know, think they have this perfect, amazing, great life. That's so easy. You know, Oh, you're married to this hockey player. Life is so easy for you. You've got everything. And they have just no clue (laughs) how hard it is. And they just assume. And they also just think that, you know, you're along for the ride with your husband and that you have nothing to do with it. And actually it takes two people, you know, to make this work. And the wives are a huge, important part of a hockey player being successful. And I I see it so much with, you know, once the guys are kind of married or find somebody that's in their life, I just see them settling in and things are better for them. I think it's really hard for the single guys in hockey. It's much harder for them, in my opinion, because I, I see them, they're trying to find somebody, they're going out, they're, they're not as settled. And as soon as the guys kind of get settled, especially if they're with a great girl, it's just like everything kind of falls into place and they just feel more comfortable in their role with the team and everything. And, and they just feel part of everything more because the girls are all together and the guys are all together. And there's, it's just, for some reason, I'm, I just feel like that's a thing. I think it's much harder to be single and not that guys can't do that. I mean, that's their choice. And a lot of them, you know, enjoy that. And that's wonderful for them. But I feel like that it, it is a really cool experience to be a part of, a couple in this world, you know, because they do do everything together. And, and the guys love it when their wives are kind of taken care of, they know they're going to be okay, or their girlfriend or whatever, they know they're going to be okay when they're with this group. And when they go out of town, they don't feel so bad and guilty for leaving for weeks or whatever, because they know the girls are going to be good. And, you know, the girls know that the guys have someone on the road if they need someone. And it's just kind of a, it's, I don't know, it's just this huge community. And, and, you know, if you're in this community, it's an amazing community. We all have the same experience. It really doesn't matter what league you're in. It's the exact same experience in the IHL, the AHL, the you know European leagues. It's all the same experience. Yeah. I think like when my husband and I first met, we, I didn't really realize how much of a community it was until I actually moved with him. Cause we did long distance for a couple of years. And then, um, like we met when I was, he was playing in my college town. So I, I kind of had my own friend group, but it wasn't until I moved that I was like, oh, you know, like it clicked for me. And I was like, these are like my friends. And like, this is, you know, we do, we all do things together and we need each other. And, and it's funny how quickly being in this hockey life expedites your friendships with people, because I think that you really get close fast and you're like, okay, like I really trust this person. Like within the first few weeks, because they know so much of what it's taken to build that with friendships back home over a lot of, a lot more time. It's so true. It's a village. And because you have such shared experience that it's just an easy, you fall right into an easy friendship because you don't have to explain to them. I mean, I I used to tell people that when you had people, friends outside of hockey, they just don't understand what, you you know, your life. And when you have friends inside of hockey, it's just like, oh, okay. I mean, my, my best friend, I met my best friend. Like she was, we were in Philadelphia. She, she was coming to visit her boyfriend on the team. She came to stay at a hotel and he was leaving on a road trip. And I said, why did you come visit him when he's leaving on a road trip? She goes, it's okay. And I'm just like, well, do you have a car? And she was so young. She didn't even have her license yet. <laughs> she was living in a big city. So she didn't really need a license. And I said, well, just come stay at my house. And I literally had met her that day, that night. And she came home with me and stayed at my house for a week. And is, you guys has, just been my best, has, has been my best friend since that day. And helped raise my children and I helped raise her children. And we were, she, I was in the delivery room for two of her kids because they're, you know, just the craziness that happens over that time. But it was just exactly what you're saying is like, I didn't have to wait 30 years to get to know her that well. I, she was a hockey wife. So she's, it's good. So, you know what I mean? It's just like this instant, you know, she can come in and be my friend. And, and I just, and I cannot imagine my life without her because she has literally been through every single part of my life with me. And we've ended up being on how many teams after that together, like two or three teams after that together. 
um, as well, which has been nice because her husband's a coach too. So he coaches now in the WHL um, in the Western Hockey League up in um, Prince George. Okay. He's a general manager too. So, so you guys are both we, now living the coach wife life. <laughs> yes. And so we, we both have that, but you know, it's so funny because now it's, I mean, if my kids, you, they think of her as like another mom, like she's, they love her and they've known her since they were tiny babies. Then they've just known they could. So it, this is the kind of connection that you get so quickly with hockey wives that, I mean, if this were just a neighbor, you know, it's like if a neighbor was said, oh, my husband's leaving for a week, I would never say, hey, come stay at my house for a week. Right. <laughs> be a million years. I'd be like, oh, that's too bad. See you later. You know, but yeah, it's a hockey wife. It's like you feel like you want to, you know, help them and make it easier and make it better. And just like this quick, you know, if you're if you're on our team, you're on our team. And it doesn't matter. Even there's been girls on teams where especially in Phoenix, I saw that where there were girls who were kind of like maybe outcasts on another team, not, not as well liked. And when they got to Phoenix, they're like, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to judge her based on something someone else told us. We're going to love her. She's on our team. And we, we got her back. Oh, and I'm I like, love I love that. that you guys do that because it's, you know, sometimes it's just one girl who said something that, you know, this girl needs another chance to kind of come in and who knows what happened if it was her fault or not or whatever people need a chance to just get a fresh start, just like the players sometimes need a chance to get a fresh start. I felt like the wives were in Phoenix, especially were always welcoming to everybody, no matter what. Yeah. Never. And I feel like it's the kind of the leadership in the wives room. Like here we have, you know, Bree Nugent Hopkins, and then we have Lauren, who's Connor's girlfriend. And the two of them are so lovely and sweet and welcoming that no matter who came in here, they're going to be lovely and sweet and welcoming because they're so so nice. These two girls are so nice and so wonderful that every girl that comes in just feels so happy. There's no clicks or everybody does everything together. It's just a great group of girls. And it always starts with the leadership kind of group of girls on the team. And usually it's the captain's wives or whatever. If they're great, you know, like we had that in, in Phoenix with Andrea Doan, who's like the most amazing human. And, um, you know, when you have those kind of girls as the captain's wives, then everything runs smoothly. And that word leadership too, like that's, I mean, that is what it is. And it's so important to like reach out and make sure that people feel comfortable because it's like you said at the very beginning of the episode, like it's, it's nerve wracking and it's, it's upon the people that have been there and are confident and comfortable to, to, you know, kind of extend like a, like a, what's the word? Open arms. (laughs) Welcoming welcoming hands. Exactly. And when they do that, when there's a group of girls who understand, you know, cause I mean, neither one of these girls have ever been on any other team. So they really, you know, and they're young. So they really didn't know that, that they're doing that. They're just really nice people. <laughs> and so they just, this is just their nature to be nice people. So it's not like they're like, oh, we have to reach out to these girls because we're the captain's wives. It's just that they're really nice people mm-hmm. and they just want to do that, which is really lovely because they could, you know, if this was their third or fourth team, you would understand that they knew more and why they're doing it. They just do it because that's just their nature because they're yeah. kind people. But um, I think that when, you know, the older girls, they really understand that. I mean, I remember my first time in a wise room in Hartford and I'm coming from college. I'm still at university and I come to see Dave play and we're, you know, I'm just wearing jeans. And one of the girls told me that I, I shouldn't wear denim. And I'm like, what's denim? I don't even know what denim was <laughs> because to me, it's like jeans. Like, I shouldn't wear jeans. I mean, I'm from North Dakota. Like, I don't know anything. Yeah. And, and I'm just like, well, I'm in college. So I have jeans or sweats. I mean, those are pretty much yeah. my, that's pretty much the repertoire I have. We have zero money. I mean, Dave's just, it's his first team. We have nothing, you know? So I had no money to go out and buy clothes. And these are, you know, these two women who were, the, you know, the upper girls on the team or whatever had been, you know, in the NHL for, you know, 12, 13 years. So they're just a completely different thing. But I remember later when every, you know, I had kind of been there longer than everybody. I remember thinking, gosh, that was just, they were not aware at all of what it was like to be me coming in there from no. college. And they just didn't have any, and I remember thinking that I want to re- remember that because when girls come in, I want to remember to meet someone where they are and not, you know, where they're going to be in 10 years. Cause obviously 10 years later, we're all in a different place, but when somebody first comes in, and they're kind of new and, you know, it is so different now because with social media and just so much more, you know, communication, Resources. people mm-hmm. do know more, but like for me, I mean, I'm coming from this little small town, you know, Grand Forks, North Dakota, 
I mean, I truly there didn't know. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I didn't know what that world even looked like. I had no idea. Well, and I'm and sure it made so, you feel like kind of self-conscious, you know, and horrible. like, I, I was so embarrassed. I didn't want to go to the game. I said, I'm not going to go in that wiser again. Like I'm just, so I ended up for a few times that on that trip, I just waited outside the locker room. I didn't even go in the room oh, and so because I felt like, Oh, I don't want to do that. But then I made a couple of friends on the team of one, especially um, her name was Lisa Katsopoulos. And she was like so sweet and welcoming. And she's, she's from New York. So she grew up in New York city. So she was so worldly and she was just kind of like, don't worry about them you know, let's just go have fun and do our own thing. And she, and she kind of just like taught me the world, the way the hockey world was. And we would just hang out and we had both had puppies and we would just hang out with our puppies and, you know, do, do stuff together. And neither one of us had kids yet or anything. And she was really, she helped me so much to feel like at home and comfortable that year. So that really, and then the next year I was, I was great. Cause then a whole new group of girls came in and they were amazing. And the funny part is that whole group that came in or that was there the other girls are still like I'm friends with them still today which is crazy yeah we're you know we all are still married to our husbands we just got together um at a golf tournament this summer and it was this we were like isn't it crazy that we all met when we were like 17 18 19 years old and everyone's still married and everyone's still happily married and everyone's still in hockey like everyone's still in hockey in some position or another (laughs) and it's like here we are all these years later we're still doing the same thing but I still love these girls. We, I really, you know, within a year, it was a completely different group of people on that team. And it was amazing. That's so cool to hear, you know, cause it's like so much time has passed and it's like, nothing has changed, which is like the best kind of friends, but it is so true. I it's, it's funny because I feel like we've all been in situations where we have felt like judged or uncomfortable even if that's not someone's intention, but it's just like, you know, you feel self-conscious and, um, I kind of think sometimes these things happen though. So that you, like you said, you can know that you don't want to be that person that, that does that to someone else. And so like, if anything, it taught you to be the way that you are now and be like, so welcoming and kind to everyone. Um, and it's just so important. Like even this past season in Austria, like I had such a good group of girls, like after I had my baby, like literally in the hospital, cleaned my entire apartment, made me Aww. food for a week straight. Cause like I had no family come out because of the pandemic. So I was totally isolated. And like, Oh, I was thinking, hard. Oh, it was, yeah, it was. And he had colic too. So it was, it was Aww. awful, but I was like, I can't imagine. Like one of my friends was like, I'm going to set my alarm for three in the morning. I'm going to text you. If he's freaking out, I'll come down and take, she was a nurse too. She she was like, I'm used to these night shifts, but it was just so nice and comforting to know like, wow, like these girls really have my back. And, you know, before you ever like have kids, you don't really like know to do those things. And so I'm like, oh my God, I did none of this stuff before I ever had a baby. But now I hope to like always pay that forward. If there's like a new mom on the team or like someone that just gave birth to, you know, do that extra step because it's, it meant so much to me and I will never forget that. So it's just, it's so, so sweet. I think that's so it's, and that's kind of different to be in hockey than in the real world, because you know, it's not like neighbors are going to call you at three in the morning and do that. You know what I mean? Even if they're good friends of yours, but it is a sisterhood. I mean, hockey wise, there's a sisterhood. I'm, I don't know if it's like that in every sport because I haven't been in any, any other sports, but in hockey, I know that it's very much a sisterhood and that they're really more like sisters than friends. And they'll go out of their way to do things for you that, you know, your friends wouldn't even know to do because they don't so even true. understand the world. But because your husbands travel so much and they're gone, they number one, have time to help. I mean, I had a friend who, when we were playing and I had my first child, um, her name was Marianne Lee. Her husband was a goalie and she's, he now he's an agent, but they lived actually next door to us. We had, they had the house next door to us. And when I had my first baby, like I was scared to death. I I mean, I couldn't believe that they let me take her home because I had no idea what I was doing. (laughs) That's always like a wake up. You're like, oh my God, I'm going home with this thing. I know. I'm like, are you crazy? You people are crazy. You should never send me home with a baby. I have no idea. But she was so sweet. And she did because she was a hockey wife. She did come over in the middle of the night. She did help me all the time. She, she was just amazing. And she taught me so much about how to be a mom. You know, I just didn't even know. And, but she was a hockey wife who happened to live next door, which was really amazing. So she went out of her way to do 
And I learned so much about being married from to her too, because she and her husband always would have a sense of humor. They used a sense of humor. If anything was wrong, it, it was never like anger. It was always like a sense of humor. They would say something really funny and it would be like, get the point across, but with humor and the other person would laugh and it wasn't ever. And they kind of go, okay, I get it. I get it. Yeah. You know, but it was, and they, they taught me that. And I remember thinking that is cool to use humor instead of anger. I like that. I'm going to use that, yeah. <laughs> you know? And so we just teach each other so much. And if, people are willing to be open to it. I think too, like when you're self-conscious, a lot of that, um, as you get older, you feel so much more comfortable in your own skin that you don't Mm -hmm. really, nobody can make me feel anyway. Now I'm going to feel how I feel. And, you know, it's, it's such a different experience being older than it is being younger. And I think that I love that part of it. There's lots of parts of getting older that are not the best, you know, <laughs> like you're watching your face and your body do things that you're like, who is that? But you're, but inside you're just so much more comfortable in your own skin. And if somebody tried to make me feel bad, I would just laugh, you know, it would just be like, all right, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's on you. I, I, I just, I don't accept it, <laughs> right. you know? Right. So it, it, that part of it's much easier. And so I think that, you know, God gives you something in every phase of life. That's wonderful. And it gives you something in every phase of life that's great lessons. So you just kind of take the good with the bad and the lessons and you just keep rolling and learning and, and it's, it's all good stuff. Gosh, I just, I feel so inspired right now. I'm going to get off this call and just feel so good. So thank you so much for coming on and just sharing, you know, a little oh, bit you're of welcome. insight. It was so great. It was so great to chat with you. I hope I get to meet you in person someday. I love Idaho like crazy. So maybe when Dave and I are retired, we're getting a sprinter. So we're going to travel all over there. So yes. I will definitely, yes, give you a call if we're up there and stop in and say hello. Please. And really quickly too, um, you are a realtor in Arizona. So if someone is looking to buy there, how can they get in touch with you? Oh, that's sweet. They can, they can just look up my name and, and my phone number's on there and I'd be happy to help them find a house anywhere in Scottsdale. <laughs>